Have you subscribed to the OTB Football Podcast? I think they will get one of those Champions League places. Should be an absolutely phenomenal achievement for Eddie Howe and his players. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Have you subscribed to the OTB Football Podcast? I think they will get one of those Champions League places. Should be an absolutely phenomenal achievement for Eddie Howe and his players. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Alright, very good morning to you. Welcome along. It is Wednesday morning at half past seven. This is OTB AM. Uh, Shane's here. Good morning, how are things? Kathleen's here. Good morning, guys. You're a little bit bleary-eyed, Kathleen? A little bit bleary-eyed, yeah. I uh, I had such good intentions last night. I was like, no, I'm going to watch the Champions League, I'm going to go to bed, get an early sleep, and then I'm going to get up early this morning and watch the game back, because obviously we are in very early and a half-twelve kickoff is not exactly producive to or conducive to good sleep. Um, but then it was just the match, the City match finished, and I was kind of like, oh, stayed, team news. You stayed up and watched it live? I watched the first half live, yeah. Right, okay. Because I was like, well, the team news was coming out and I was kind of curious as to what Vera Pau was going to do and then the team news came out and I was still kind of awake and I was like, what if what if we do the amazing? Like, what if something incredible happens and I'm asleep and I will be so annoyed at myself when I wake up tomorrow morning and okay, wow. watch it back? So yeah, I watched the first half then I went, tried to go to sleep, couldn't really sleep so I should, I was saying ashamed, I should have literally just stayed up and watched the game and then I came in here at five o'clock this morning and watched the whole thing back again because I just love the pain. (laughs) So Ireland got beaten by a goal to nil by the USA last night? Yeah, they did. Um, I mean, kind of a mixed performance, definitely some positives to take away from the entire trip Uh, but the goal that we let in was frustratingly similar to some of the goals that we thought we had kind of cut out of our game um, it's just a long range punt from 40 yards yeah and like obviously uh, Courtney Brosnan thought that it was going to come in like she thought she was going to be able to punch it away but misjudged how far it was going to come in and it just sailed over her head unfortunate because it's the second time out of the three goals that have been scored over these two games that she's kind of been caught out for bad positioning um, which actually when I said it on Twitter at the weekend about the first goal that went in I got a lot of very angry Courtney Brosnan fans after me <laughs> saying it was actually the defence's fault and I was like there was two two at play there. It was the defence. It was also Courtney Brosnan being far too far in one side of her goal. We always do that. We always shoot ourselves in the foot. We don't seem to concede like proper great team goals where we couldn't have done much about it. It always seems to be possibly and partially our fault. Yeah, yeah, it was a little bit. I mean, I really wouldn't have mind if we had lost 1-0 to the US and they had scored some sort of screamer. You know, Trini Rodman had done something incredible I Becky I actually wouldn't even have been all that mad if it was Becky Sauerbrunn that got it off the header in the first like three minutes that she tried uh, the only reason I would have been mad about that is because Adonofsky literally told us they were going to try and do that they only played her for 30 minutes because it was her hometown game and they wanted to celebrate her getting 200 caps so they gave her 30 minutes tried this one set piece that they said they were going to try off a corner to try and get her a header to get her first ever goal in her 15 year career with the US and we just gave her a free header and I was like I know we're trying to you know support our own here and everything but also (laughs) let's not give away goals that easily Um, but yeah some it was 
definitely a more tired performance than the one on Saturday. You know, I felt on Saturday we were pushing for those goals for a lot longer, whereas we came out in the second half and we looked wrecked. The closest we looked like getting a goal in the second half was when we made some changes in the last 10 minutes and stuck Louise Quinn up top and just like hammered in corners and crosses, which is very much going back to our old playbook of how we did things in the past. Um, but yeah, it was... We didn't make wholesale changes. This was no. like, so Katie McCade played, Denise Sullivan played. Yeah, like I think a lot of people thought that Vera Powell might have changed it up a bit more, even though she did say during the weekend that she her main thing for this game was to try and give players time and also to see how like different systems gelled. So like continuing on from what we tried on Saturday. Um, big ones probably would have been the fact that Aoife Mannion and Sinead Farrelly weren't in the squad at all, but like Vera Powell had said before the match that she is managing their game time at the moment. Aoife Mannion makes a little bit more sense because United are doing that anyways because she's coming back from an ACL. Farrelly, I mean, like Emma Carroll was making the point there just before we came on air that this those 60 minutes that she played at the weekend is the only 60 minutes we've seen of her in an Ireland jersey. And while, yes, she did very, very well, and I think like a lot of people were excited by her. She there's not another camp until like the end of June now. The squad's coming out around that time too. It, would you not have chucked her on for even like twenty minutes just to see how she performs in the squad or like, you know, it was that just a once off? Because Vera Powell basically said after the game on Saturday that she's she's on the plane. So Either she's seeing something that the rest of us haven't seen, which is fair enough. I mean, that that's her job to see those things. But I think, yeah, I just would have been interested to see how she gelled in with the squad a bit more. I suppose one of the po- main positives, Kathleen, is the fact that we weren't overawed in either game. And, and that's probably testament to the fact that Vera Powell has lined up all these big game friendlies. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think we... I think chaotic sometimes in that we would forget who we're playing and the US would make a break and we would you could just see the panic a little bit on our faces but I also think when you look at like the history of results that we have against the US a 2-0 and a 1-0 defeat is very respectable Mm. Um, now they did the US are kind of at a stage at the moment where they're messing around with their team quite a lot and trying to work things out. And like a lot of the US fans are really annoyed with how Andonovsky has led this team over the last couple of years because he hasn't really nurtured those younger talents in the way that they would like him to. You know, the Trinity Robbins, so Alyssa Thompson, the number one NWSL draft pick, she made a start last night and played quite well. Their midfield is a bit of a shambles. Um, so we definitely weren't hitting on them at their peak, mm. I would say. But at the same time, I think there's a lot. We gained a lot of insight into the squad and the ways that we can play. And I think, I mean, I think one of you guys said it on air the other day that Vera Powell has obviously been listening to a bit of Koi Gig over the last couple of months, uh, or at least not admitting that she's listening to a bit of Koi Gig over the last couple of months because the sort of positive play that we saw over the last two games is the exact sort of stuff that we've been calling for and I think if we can build off that in the final couple of games ahead of the World Cup it could be interesting except that uh, the other big thing that happened in world football last night was that uh, England got beaten by Australia yeah so 
Australia ended England's 30-game uh, unbeaten streak, which is no no mean feat. One thing I will say about this, as like you can't take away from Australia, like fair credit to them, they did beat them, but also the two goals, I would argue, were more that England's defence was a shambles than... Australia necessarily pulled something amazing. So, like, the first goal was Leah Williamson. I don't know, did she just not see Sam Kerr coming on her outside? She headed the ball down to Mary Earps and just, like, didn't get enough power on it. Basically put it on a plate for Sam Kerr, which you don't do. And then the second one was it deflected off. It was a cross into the box, deflected off Leah Williamson. And I think it was Lucy Bronze. Again, for some reason, did not see Charlie Grant running in behind her. And it was a completely free header. So possibly missing a little Millie Bright influence in the defence for England there, but that's the first time that um, England have conceded two under Vigman. Yeah, I mean, like again, you can't take anything away from Australia. I'm possibly pulling at straws here a little bit to comfort myself because, again, with this Australia team, they've actually been on a really similar journey to ourselves. With that, they have you know their world class players, their Caitlin Fords, their Sam Kerr's, but they also have players that play semi-pro back home and over the last couple of years Tony Gustafsson has been really working with this team to kind of get them into a cohesive unit and like bringing together that world-class element with that semi-professional element and he they've had a a bit like ourselves in the European qualifiers they had a lot of games where they should have performed and they just didn't and it seems now they're hitting their stride exactly as they're going into a home world cup and you know I talked to I know a few Australian journalists that I met during the Euros last summer and I was talking to them about the games last night and you know they're quietly confident about how this team is performing at the moment and where they're heading so as in they they think they have a chance of winning the entire thing I don't know if they're going straight to like we have a chance of winning the entire thing, but they definitely feel like they can go on a run in the tournament. Yeah, um, in a way that we're like, we might maybe if everything breaks our way, potentially get out of the group or get some draws. And they're yeah. like, no, we, we could win it. I mean, the other side to this is that like they did draw 1-0 with Scotland. Or sorry, they lost 1-0 to Scotland in their other game in this international window. But they did have a few injuries and also they didn't play Sam Kerr in that match. So, you know. She'll be playing against us, no doubt, in the World Cup. Oh, I'm sure. Your description of the goals that they scored sounded perilously like your description of the goals we conceded. (laughs) Yeah, I was just thinking that. Yeah, that's a little bit of that, yeah. Yeah. Um, Dan Delaney says in the comments, I get the feeling that we are in big, big trouble against Australia in that first game. That's That's my, look, I mean, this is it now and then we slowly build up and then on the verge of the tournament we get we lose the run of ourselves yeah. that's the traditional well I don't know if I would say if we're in big big trouble because like in the same way we have struggled mentally sometimes so have this Australian team so like there is a possibility that either side come into this game and it's 80,000 people it's a home world cup for them it's our first ever major tournament you know there's a lot of different elements at play yeah. and I think it's just how well both managers manage that run in over the next couple of months Australian sports culture is to step into the moment and enjoy it to Cathy Freeman their way around mm. to like you know being Olympic champion in front of your home crowds to to being a rugby team who are nowhere near good enough to oh we were suddenly in the final that's a yeah. good we were I don't know I'm just concerned that uh, Australia their their rugby culture their sports culture Sorry, their sports culture, not their rugby culture. Their sports culture is um, 
has been long uh, high it's achievers. Defi- yeah, it's definitely arrogant. more defined than ours. I will put it. And Nigeria beaten. So we played Nigeria in our last group game. They beat the other co-host New Zealand three 0 last night. So it's all looking great for that group. Canada lost two one to France though. Um, Hervé Renard has taken over there has had a very successful first international window really interesting guy like I don't know what I expected from him when he took over at France Um, and you know he a lot of the time when you see these managers come in from the men's game you're a bit like have you ever even watched a game of women's football Uh, because they are different like there's I don't think anyone can disagree about that. And uh, he, he's been really impressive, especially for that French team that were so chaotic before under Diacre. Like, he talked about one of the players, uh, she had a baby and she was coming into camp. And, like, as you guys know, this is something that we've talked a lot about on Koi Gig before. And he was like, well, why, why wouldn't she bring her baby with her? She's going to be distracted if the baby isn't there. So, like, we have to do everything that we can to make sure that she is supported and that the child is supported in the camp and that they have that space for themselves because that's equally as important as anything on the pitch. And then last night he was... Like, I don't understand why we're playing the Olympic champions on the same night as Champions League football. He was like, this is world-class football happening, but how else is it? It's it's not going to be watched by as many people because you're competing with other world-class football. And I was like, oh, every Renard, I am actually very impressed mm. with. It's a fair point, though, isn't it? Yeah. Like... Well, all all sports have this nonsensical idea that uh, we're going to be the ones who everybody watches and it's going to be us. It's our way or the highway. And it's like, no, you just have mm-hmm. to just schedule it for like five o'clock instead of seven o'clock or the day before or the day after. Like, yeah, I mean, there are so many. I was thinking the same about Bows and Rovers at the weekend. It's on telly, but at the same time, the rugby's on. And it's like, these are these are dueling banjos. We could have like, you know, one at five, one at seven. Everybody's happy. Yeah, I feel like people in the League of Ireland assume that oh, there's no crossover. Sure, the, the people watching the rugby won't want to be watching Rovers Bows, but the course there's crossover. There always is. There's people who just love sport and they'll watch whatever's on. So, a uh, quick question from Danny Mack: Would three draws get us out of the group? Probably won't. No, I don't. It, it, no. I mean, traditionally in four-team groups, three draws has been enough, but you need all the results to go your way. And it, like, on, it's like teams uh, are going to take points off each other. Yeah, like on a. On a numerical, I'm sure there is some sort of like numerical way that it probably would, but it would require a lot of other stuff to go our way, and I just don't really expect that to happen. You need one team to dominate the group, yeah, and then um, and then so everyone else to, to flounder <coughs> a little bit, uh, and then the other game has to be a draw, and then you end up mm. with uh, Grant. Just beat the Aussies in the first game; it's easy. This is easy, folks. Yeah. Let's well, we've already done it in Tala, so you know what's the difference in an eighty thousand seater stadium in Sydney <laughs> that was that was the birth of the Vera Power era really in a, in, in a way where I mean it would be like, a <clears throat> it's going to be an incredible full circle moment anyways but it actually would be a mad for full circle moment if we did manage to win I mean look I'm not getting ahead of myself there's still a few months to go hmm. we, well it's 99 days today until there you we woke go. up uh, uh, yeah <laughs> 99. I'll be coming in every day and I'll just pop up in this corner. I'll just like 98 days. Hey guys, 84. A poster up on the brick wall behind you there, yeah. 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 Uh, The wall's fake. It's uh, 7.44. Nothing would stick to it. 7.44 this morning here on OTBM. Here's what's coming up between now and 10 o'clock. The wall's not fake, by the way. It's not green. Uh, Maeve de Burke is going to join us for her analysis of the game at 8. Jonathan Wilson is going to join us at 20 past 8 to look at the Champions League last night and Frank Lampard's going to get on tonight. Uh, sports News at 8.45. Keith Wood at 8.50. Power Rankings with Tommy Rooney at 9.10. Finally correct. And a classic crappy quiz coming your way at uh, 9.30. We've got to talk about the performance of Manchester City last night. Absolutely dominant against uh, Bayern Munich. Pep afterwards, not quite 
comfortable, mm. like a little bit smug, as you would expect. Oh, very smug, yeah. But I still like listing off all of the great players. That was he was he listing off the great players so that his players were watching, going, oh, they could still do something to us. Or was he listing off all the great players that, look at what I just did, I swatted them down, I beat them. In fairness, he did say that uh, Bayern were better at various stages and that uh, they made some changes, obviously, which helped mm. influence the outcome. It obviously reflects very well on him. Yeah, but then you look at Jan Sommer's performance, like if it, only for a couple of saves he made, said he would have won by more. And it was just a completely dominant performance, that Rodri goal. That was his first Champions League goal ever. And it's just an absolute corker. What a strike off the left. It was just one of those that... Is he left-footed? I don't even know what it was. It was very De Bruyne-esque. Uh, I don't think he's predominantly left-footed. It didn't look like he, he was, was given a lot of space as well. Yeah, it, it, like he was. It was. It was given to him. Musiala, I think, was about, was the one who was supposed to be tracking yeah. him. Like didn't. he did do well to take it away in the first place, but you, like he just ran into open space. He actually could have brought it in further if he wanted, but he decided to go for the spectacular. Hundred <laughs> percent. There should be a bit of um, appreciation given. Housemate pointed this out last night for for English stadiums in the in the Champions League and the knee slide opportunities it provides. And there's a little bit of rain. Rodri mentioned it afterwards. He said, "Well, that's one of the things when I was in Spain." I couldn't knee slide, and now when a player scores, you have the lovely fifteen twenty meter knee slide, which he which he did. All three of them did it last night. All three of them, and, yeah. and fair play to them. Um, the busiest man was probably the the fourth official. The technical uh, area that Pep is supposed to stay in, and Tuchel is supposed to stay in. Turns out neither of them wanted to stay in those areas. So uh, constant little slaps on the wrist for the lads who wanted to, to broach that space. Uh, but City's performance generally, I mean, right from the back, Nathan Ake was brilliant. Uh, Rodri was probably most people's man of the match. I think last night Grealish was. Um, uh, uh, literally involved in every good thing that City did. Uh, 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 Real Ferdinand made a very good point on, on, on TV after the match as well. How um, that goal for Bernardo Silva, that header, where literally Grealish just makes the run to cancel out any possible option that Meccano had at the back in terms of playing it out, and then manages to dispossess, play it off to Haaland, and then uh, the ball ends up at the back of the net from Bernardo Silva's header. That's so the back heel from Grealish. That's the back heel. It's brilliant. Not, yeah, Grealish is uh, he good at football? Turns out Open Meccano had, had one of those nights um, where you, you literally forgot how to play football. Like every time he touched the ball, you're like, this lad is about to do something ridiculous. He just couldn't, he couldn't even complete like a 10, 15 yard pass at some stages last night. His head was gone. Um, it was actually getting to the point where I kind of wanted him to get the ball just because I was curious yeah. as to how badly he was going to mess it up. Like, he couldn't have done it in the Aviva, you know. But he's he, like, and he's one of the best centre backs in the world. And yet, last night, City made them look completely normal at times. Um, Bayern did have their chances. Yeah, they probably looked a little livelier when Cancelo and, and Muller came off the bench. I, I thought Mane as well, but like no massive clear cut chances where you'd say, "Oh, that that could have been a goal." Um, and and even the, the the reception that Joel Cancelo got coming off the bench for Bayern, I was like, "This man won two Premier Leagues and a League Cup with Man City, and he's getting roundly booed by the Etihad Stadium." So, I mean, uh, football fans are fickle and they forget pretty fast, it turns out. Who were they booing, sorry? Cancelo when he came off the bench. All right. Well, I mean, I know he left in uh, he's, circumstances. He's coming back, though. Yeah, this is He's coming back. Well, I, I mean, obviously, Pep is going to. He. Well. Will he want to come back after a reception? Like, I mean. Is, is there a possibility Pep wins the Champions League and goes? Probably not. He, mm. You know, he'd probably he'd, he'd want to defend it. Is there a chance he loses in the final and goes? There is. I think if he loses, it's more likely that he leaves. He's too stubborn. He'd be like, no, we'll go again. We got close. He signed, was it this year he signed a new contract? Or was that? It was at the World Cup, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, um, I mean, that doesn't really mean that much. Yeah. No, no, I know it doesn't, but... yeah. I know you mentioned in the pre-show um, meeting, Kathleen, about Haaland's lack of touches compared to everyone else in the pitch, mm-hmm. but that, that's... 
it's funny it's what he does and you always felt like he was going to get the goal like Stone John Stones did really really well to head that ball back across the area and Haaland's finish was exactly what you would expect but um, it was a really good game I thought like in, in large portions mainly because of City's dominance I suppose <sighs> I just find out of it. City so hard to watch like I don't find them an enjoyable watch was it like Limerick hurling that conversation from yesterday they're too good to watch a little bit but it's not even that they're too good I just it's boring to me now. Maybe it is because they're too good. I just find it a little bit boring. I actually disagree with the Limerick thing slightly. I really like watching Limerick play hurling. I think, you know, the skill is incredible and maybe that's just an appreciation I have for hurling over football. But mm. I don't know. It's just the only time I actually enjoy watching City is in the Champions League because I'm like, there's actually a vague hope that something mad is going to happen and Pep's not going to get his Champions League title. But I don't know, it just seemed kind of clear early on enough last night that Bayern weren't up to the challenge and that... I don't think this tie is entirely over. In what sense? I, in that it's, there's a second leg still to come. I would have thought a 2-0 oh, yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I, I think that they were creating enough chances, enough opportunities, and there's enough flakiness still in the city side. Like, uh, we, were, we had Mark Lawrence on last night, yesterday, and uh, like, what do you want from... City, if you're Arsenal, do you want them to keep winning? And so you've got these games. You don't want them to keep winning 3-0 because the level of confidence that they get and the sense that they are all conquering and they're now the blue machine. But I just feel like there was a few chances there. Well, it was like Ederson was making some saves. Now, yeah. okay, some of them were long-range stuffs, but there was one that was spilled out and they just needed... I think that, like... I can see Bayern getting an early goal at the Allianz and suddenly City are oh. like... Oh, we've seen this movie before. Three 0 feels different to two 0 in some way. Like, and it, it does because there's an extra goal there. There's an extra goal. There. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Game of two halves. Um, I think I do think the, the, the key moment, of, the key moment of the match for me, the key turning point was just before City opened the scoring. Uh, Musiala had that shot blocked by Ruben Diaz, and if you look at the replay in slow motion, it's going in. It looks uh, like it does yeah, look like it. It's just going the wrong way. Now, having said that, yeah. the super slow. I, I, it was, and that's so I. I I don't know. I, I think um, I think there's enough about the city and the sense of jeopardy in, in all the games that they're going to have for the rest like, of the season. And we have seen it with them in the Premier League. Like they have slipped up a lot more this season than we've seen them do it in previous seasons. I don't know. I just feel like kind of like what Shane was saying. Three nil does feel a little bit far with how Bayern looked mm. last night. Um, it just didn't feel like there was any. I don't know. Well, the papers have agreed with you. Bye bye, Byron is the headline in the back of the mirror. Hair raising is the uh, back to usual hairstyle, but Holland's still a cut above a city rip. Byron to shreds. He's, uh, he, uh, there was a lot made of Erling Holland's hair. Uh, Blue Thunder. Holland puts seal on city's show of no mercy. There are the headlines in some of the English ones. Blue Murder. Mm. Uh, Manchester City 3, Bayern Munich 0. Okay, so, sorry, we didn't actually give the score. We did give the score. Uh, they think it's Hall over. Oh, I see what they did there. Erling Killer Blow Fires City to Brink of Semis uh, is the back of the sun. And there's also a picture of Frank Lampard with the Champions League trophy. Right, well, we'll talk about that in just a few minutes' time. And then Lightning Rod Sparks City Route is the back page of the uh, London Independent um, for that one. Uh, the other big news coming through, uh, up, up and away, question mark. They see the examiner, they're, they're feeling, I think it's just, it's just it's all over. With, with, with City... Until they're standing over the bloody corpse of the trophy and Pep actually has it. He has the big cup. And he's got the big ears. And he's mm. holding them. I'm not going to believe it. I'm, I am the doubting Thomas when it comes to Pep and his ability to win this trophy. I know you guys are crowning him already, obviously. Oh, no. I, I'm not saying I'm crowning him overall. I just think in this particular tie, City have their number. Past that, 
anything goes. I think Real Madrid are going to win the Champions League. Uh, well, they're not, because uh, Chelsea are going to beat them tonight, according to Frank Lampard, who's oh, been telling everybody that we've done this before in 2012. Because, <laughs> uh, as far as I can see, the one thing that athletes want is, back in my day, Oh yeah, they, they love those stories more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. That's my, my experience of talking to and listening to changing rooms who have, like... Um, High-profile managers who you know were superstars in their time, and it's all well, back in my days. That's how we did it. Yeah, used to walk the train in his, in his bare feet, Lampard. A, a bit of call for the fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, none of your fancy meals. Back in my day, um, supposed to be doing the match last night. It's supposed to be doing comms on it. Was he? Yeah. And then he got a gig. And then he got a gig. Turns out he was busy. Yeah. No fair play. I'm looking forward to that game tonight, but um, I just can't see Chelsea getting over that Real Madrid team. Real, like realistically, let's be honest. I mean, I really hope for the for the sake of the tournament they don't. Like, Chelsea yeah. can feck off with their boring football. No thanks. <laughs> with their chaotic nonsense. Well, the league's over, so maybe they do... Tactically inept. Yeah, Inter Milan have one foot in the semi-finals after last night as well, beating Benfica 2-0 away. So, Romelu Lukaku with the penalty for the second goal. So, um, it's going to be an interesting lineup either way, I think, in the, in the semi-finals this year, the Champions League. But, um, yeah, it's Real Madrid's to lose for me. Uh, well, well. 29, I still think Napoli are the most complete team in the tournament. I really hope Napoli win it. Like, that would be the... Yeah, that's the story. That's the, the dream... Scenario here at the end. I don't think anyone would disagree. Well, unless you're a supporter of one of the teams that are left, but I feel mm. like every neutral going is fully on the Napoli bandwagon. Semi final yeah. draw has been made, right? It has. Um, I'm forgetting this. Uh, uh, well, I, th- I think everyone has fallen in love with Victor Osman and Kvaratskhelia <clears throat> this year with, with Napoli, and, and like the fact that they have the. Unlike City, they have Serie A pretty much in the bag. So they they can concentrate on the on the Champions League as well, which is a a massive advantage. I mean, I, I had I was living with an Arsenal fan like yourself, uh, Kathleen last night, and I was like, before the game, what do you want to happen here? And I think uh, further to Jerry's point, probably didn't want them to win three 0 but wants them to to get all the way to the final. And then I'd love if it was lose. like a three two sort of situation, and there was actually a bit of back and forth, and you genuinely thought like, oh, will Bayern steal it? And like you know. City had a bit of nerves around the whole thing. I think that probably would have been better in the long term. But also, like with the the squad that City have, I I don't know how much actually being in multiple tournaments is gonna affect them. Mm. You know, they they're so experienced at that at this stage, having gone the way for the last multiple seasons. It's just possible injuries. You know, you saw the Bruyne last yeah. night howling a little bit, and you're like, oh, this could be. You know, if, if if that injury was more serious, all of a sudden you're saying, well, that that is an impact on the on the title race. So it's avoiding injuries in the Champions League, I guess, yeah. and the FA Cup. Um, so if they can if they can do that, then they'll be fine. As you say, with the strength and depth, they probably have the more strength and depth than Arsenal. Although Arsenal have certainly oh completely got got there uh, much better than they were last season in that in that department. So they're getting there slowly but surely. I mean, I think the Jesus injury probably showed that. You know, they are there are players there that can step in and do a job and I think if Arteta can sign a few more this summer, that would be great. It's uh Real Madrid and Man City on the same side of yeah. the draw. And it's um Macy Milan or Napoli on the same side of the draw as Benfica or Inter. So it could be an all Milan if um Milan managed to, to do Napoli, or it could be Napoli versus Inter in the uh, semi-final which you'd think given the respective performances in the league so far Napoli would be feeling pretty good about so it's setting up for Napoli to um, to make it to the final against either Real Madrid or Manchester City but those semi-finals if they go the way we think they are going to go after last night um, two legs uh, in one week the 9th and 10th of May and the 16th and 17th of May will be Real Madrid against Manchester City they will be good games Oh, crackers 
We, des- we deserve that. Yeah, we, yeah. We, I think we deserve uh, to see exactly what that would be like. The other big news coming out from the uh, football world overnight is, uh, and it broke first in the London Times, is that Jude Bellingham won't be joining Liverpool, that Liverpool have pulled out of their Bellingham pursuit because they feel like investing all their resources in one player is bad business when they need so much uh, reinforcements and that the only way to do that properly is to uh, search around for some better value. Mm. Well, it certainly sounds like he, he wants either City or Real Madrid. Manchester United are, are another option, but maybe further down the list. And uh, it depends what way Eric Ten Hag wants to go, but you can understand Bellingham's thinking as well if he didn't want to go to Liverpool, especially if they don't get Champions League for next season. Uh, the, so the way it's written in the papers is that this isn't Bellingham's decision. Yeah. That Liverpool have actually pulled out, out. In, in advance of this. And I don't know, maybe, maybe Bellingham, maybe somebody has tipped him off that that wasn't what he wanted mm. and that they weren't going to uh, get there in the end and so therefore rather than it be a humiliation later to be rejected they're um, no no I'm breaking up with you but I, I don't know if that's the case it seems like certainly what they've briefed is that they've decided that they have so many holes in their team that Jude Bellingham isn't going to be a one-man messiah to fix this team and that rather than spending their 150 million on on him they're going to spend that on several players. So Mason Mount gets mentioned. Tielemans, who's obviously free at the end of the season, is getting mentioned. And then there's a bunch of other midfielders. Um, there's a 20-year-old at Bayern who's not getting any game time at the moment who everybody wants, apparently, except Bayern. Uh, <laughs> this always happens. And then there's a few other players who um, they've been linked with too. It ends up, it ends a transfer saga. Conor you know, Gallagher. Yeah, there you go. Like, Jurgen Klopp's going to be at, was going to be asked about Jude Bellingham fairly consistently between now and the summer if, if this hadn't happened. So... I think now that cuts the question for sure, and, and any element of a potential transfer saga is is out the window. So yeah, smart move by Liverpool, depending on who dropped out this story. Um, but yeah, very fascinating to see where he ends up because he will leave Dortmund. You'd imagine this summer. Well, is it a smart move by Liverpool? Well, to to announce it this early if they don't want him, do you know, they don't, they don't let it drag on. But well, because the Liverpool fans are bitter. Yeah, well, of course they want... No, Cal says, I always supported FSG, but after last summer windows and the news that broke last night and the lies they basically have told, I can see a lot of Liverpool fans wanting them out now. But maybe Liverpool and Klopp are right. Maybe FSG are right here. Maybe he's not the man to fix all these problems. Like, we don't know how how he would end up at Liverpool. You know, we can't we can't uh, tell the future. But pff, he did probably probably do need club, uh, plugs gapped in 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 about two or three four different areas of the pitch. I mean, look at the performances this season, and, and I don't think Drew Billingham fixes them all. And he's such an expensive talent that you look at the likes of City; they can well afford him. Real Madrid can well afford him as well, but. Um, it depends where he wants to end up maybe he doesn't want to go back to England at this stage or maybe Real Madrid is the option for him uh, and he comes back when he's 25, 26 he's only 19 Jude Bellingham he's got plenty of time to come back to the Premier League he's not even in his prime you'd imagine yet so unless he's a Michael Owen type um, so yeah fascinated to see where he, where he ends up don't be too sad Liverpool fans he'll be fine he'll be fine they'll, they'll, they'll sign a few big names uh, well, yeah, are you confident about that? I think they're going to spend money anyway it'll be interesting to see who they sign Mm. It would Mason be the big names one. that you think Liverpool will sign that will actually make a difference. I like it. You just have to pick. You just have to pick two or three players that are that are forty million pound signings rather than this one hundred and thirty, one hundred forty million pound talent. I think when you're a team in flux like Liverpool and a team that's clearly in transition, that's those are the type of signings you need to make. You don't just make one big massive marquee signing and go, oh, there you go, that's fixed." Uh, so the likes of Mason Mount, depending on what what Mason Mount costs. Would be would probably be a good sign for Liverpool. Uh, I, I, look, I, I kind of all the managers who have ever played Mason Mount, apart from the Potter 
era at Chelsea. Everybody else has picked him and put him in the team and he's got a lot of praise. I have yet to see exactly how he's going to dominate games um, or develop into one of those players but he is one of the players who's linked and as he only has a year left in his contract and they don't seem to want him then they think they'll be able to get him for what they would say is value which could be anything between 40 and 60 million mm. Tielemans is free and uh, like everybody was raving about Tielemans a year ago if he gets back to that form um, then he would probably be a good signing for any of those top four teams uh, the other players that they're linked with in the Telegraph this morning are Conor Gallagher Moises Caicedo Ryan Gravenberch Burke uh, of Bayern Munich he's the 20 year old who they signed from um, Ajax who's not getting game time um, uh, Nunez of Wolves so um, would three of those fix Liverpool's midfield mm. they go a long way if, certainly if they could get a few of them so uh, yeah that, Liverpool's transfer uh, battles are going to be the big one I think over the next few months alright two minutes past eight that's what Liverpool fans are reduced to talking about the transfer window and it hasn't even opened yet because you're not involved in Champions League action and all their barely anyway <laughs> I'm I'm sorry I'm 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 picking at the scab this morning and I shouldn't be it's unfair. <laughs> OTB AM with Gillette Labs get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now.